Welcome to Mentored. Join two professional mentors, Carson Pugh and Martin Sanders, as they provide straight talk and wisdom to fellow leaders. Their approach is no-nonsense, practical, and focused on helping you become a better leader in all aspects of your life. Together, we'll gain valuable insights and actionable advice from these seasoned mentors. So now, here's our episode. When that music starts up, we're ready to go. It's time. Welcome to Mentored, an opportunity when we get to talk with you about matters related to life and leadership. I'm Carson Pugh. And I'm Martin Sanders. We're glad that you're listening today to this particular episode, because Martin, I want us to address something that I think is critical to the success of any leader. And that has to do with their level of self-awareness. It is just so key to so many things. I, I like to address this, but I have to admit that I find it difficult to talk about generally. If we're doing individual conversations, mentoring, coaching, you can pinpoint things and go right for it. But to talk about it in general, mm -hmm. for me, it's just harder. But I think we've got enough insights to make a podcast out of Yeah, this. we probably both have stories of us working with leaders. And when I think about that, like I, I'm thinking about this one story where I have said something like, just pause for a moment here. And do you understand how you're coming across when you're communicating like this? In the work that I do, I have often sat in on board meetings where I'm mentoring uh, the executive director, or the CEO, and I watch him in a board meeting session. Then immediately after the board meeting, we'll say to him, now I just want to talk through how you came across, how you're communicating to your board of directors. Because oftentimes we get caught off guard it's kind of interesting that we're not aware of how we're communicating with the very people that we're supposed to be responsible to. One of the questions I ask continuously and sometimes have to interrupt people and sometimes just a more appropriate to wait to the end go, did you hear what you just said? <laughs> yeah. And are you okay with that? <laughs> yeah. And most common response, I was until you paused and asked. <laughs> Good. This, this kind of communication also exists within their families. And if we get talking about family stuff or marriage stuff, there's often a sense that they're not aware of how they're communicating with those that they're closest to and love the most. In doing a premarital counseling, now with people who are older, like the average age of first marriages now in Manhattan is almost 38 years old. Mm -hmm. So people have done lots of things. It's not like you're talking to young people getting married. And so just one of the clear questions is, let's just talk through how you view people, each other, personal things, not general philosophical things. And the most common thing is we stop and go, did you hear what that person just said? Mm -hmm. And yeah. can you live with that? Yeah. And they said, I've got to really work that through and see if I can live with it. Mm -hmm. yeah, absolutely, because it's probably not going to get adjusted. Right. 
What What's the awareness yeah. part in that? The awareness part is assumptions are made, mm-hmm. and sometimes you haven't talked about right. them. Yep. I think as leaders, we can make assumptions even about ourselves, and we think that everything's moving forward. And I, I'm thinking of situations where a leader that we are mentoring or coaching is not aware of how they are making decisions and how it affects the entire team. They've just not paused long enough. And this is another example of where a mentor in your life can help you. And if you're just not aware of your decision-making process, when that changes, when you become conscious of how you normally make decisions, then you can actually teach your whole team how Mm -hmm. you do that. I I see at least two aspects of this. One, it's how you come to those decisions and awareness of that, but also any lack of awareness, blind Mm -hmm. spots, just assumptions you make. Yes. And so as you bring these things to light, they go, I had no idea. Those were just clear-cut assumptions. I assumed that. And my other team members have not. That's also why they're called blind spots, because we just don't see them. It's like the image of driving in your car. And before we had cameras everywhere in cars, you were always shoulder checking to see if there's anybody in your blind spot that didn't appear in the mirror. The topic around emotional intelligence with awareness. People are not aware of their lack of emotional intelligence in their interacting with people. This is really a global thing. There's studies on this now. It used to be primarily a North American thing. But it's been fascinating to try to work with this uh, cross-culturally because assumptions are quite different, Mm -hmm. but it's still the same thing, just in their cultural context. And I had one of these conversations not long ago with someone from Australia, and they said, you're always tough on Aussies. Like, what's the benchmark? Like, Americans, you? And they were quite defensive. And I said, go to this website, take a look, and you'll notice that your particular part of Australia is rated in the lower five of emotional intelligence Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. in these areas. And they called back and said, other people know about this? (laughs) We we, we do. Yeah, we do. (laughs) But because you're sort of all in that same boat, you just make assumptions that we're going to leave all of this out. Like there's so much written actually in the leadership realm around social and emotional intelligence, but define emotional intelligence for us, for the people who might be hearing this for the first time. Traditionally and classically, it's been IQ, which is just straight. Yeah, intelligence. Just what we would call intelligence. Mm -hmm. When, uh, When emotional intelligence came out, it was that capacity to see, sense, hear, feel, experience, in not emotional ways, but emotive ways. Yeah. To access the sensory side of your life and ability to read into it so that you see the other dimension. Yes. 
And then, of course, it's expanded. It's now social intelligence, cultural intelligence. Mm -hmm. But it started with IQ and then the clear transition to EQ. EQ. Well, when you're a leader and you're lacking in emotional intelligence, you're not picking up on a lot of the cues that are out there that are nonverbal, that are just from sitting with your executive team at a table. If you're low on the EQ, you may not pick up on what the body language or the uh, actions of people who are listening to you. And that makes it tough to be a leader in that setting. One of the fun experiences, because I've, on a grad school level, taught communications, public speaking, even preaching, I've often been asked to coach speakers. They ask or their yep. team mm -hmm. does or sure. even church boards ask. You listen to thousands of sermons, oh, right, in your doctoral Multiples. Work? My record was I listened to 476 in five and a half weeks. Yep. That was in person. Yeah. Um, and I'm just going, I, I didn't want to go to a church service for months. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Your quotient was full. It was full. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that I always, uh, when I'm listening, I listen for what they say. I listen for what they don't say. Mm -hmm. And that, that's true of even coaching leaders at board meetings and other things. So when I give feedback and say, I noticed you didn't mention this when it was appropriate to. Yes. Mm-hmm. And they go, how did you pick up on that so quickly? And I go, because there's obviously something going on in your life that you didn't want to address, mm -hmm. so you just skimmed over it. Hmm. I think I, I've had experiences where a CEO will talk with his board about something and they do skip over it. And when I pause them afterwards and say, why didn't you bring mm -hmm. that up then? they would explain that they had kind of an agenda going on in their head about how this conversation was going to go. But a mentor talking to a CEO about that raises that awareness. And the next time they're in a meeting, there's something else in their head about how this is all going and whether they should yeah, just be more attentive to what's going on. Let's say you're a mentor and you're working with a leader and you're, you're wanting to help them with avoidance of self-awareness. Like I've worked with some people and they're, they don't want to go near the topic of self-awareness. What are some things that come to mind for you? I've got, I have some, but what, sure. what comes to mind about why a leader would not want to go there? An underdeveloped capacity. I mean, think about leaders. They want to play to their strengths, mm -hmm. and rightly yep. so. And if you're aware that this is not one of the areas of strength and you can't lead with the same level you're used to and that you're confident mm -hmm. in leading, you avoid conversations that you don't want to have. Yeah. You avoid, in your mind, looking bad. So it's an avoidance motif, mm -hmm. but based on perception of it's not my strength and I want to play yeah. to my strengths. And I'm just uncomfortable when I get in those environments. Yeah, that you're describing a leader who's fearful of being vulnerable mm -hmm. about anything. You know, they're living out of this persona that they've created about themselves as a leader, and they don't want you to mess with that. So don't don't try to get me to be more self-aware. 
about something because I'm working quite well within the function of my construct uh, for this right now. I'm actually functioning quite well in this construct in my head. Yeah. yeah. You are right now? No, that's the, that's the, <laughs> that's the mindset. Yeah. And what about people who I, I talk to them and say, uh, can I just talk to you about how you came across or can I talk to you about how you spoke to your wife and your family about what you're describing to me? And they will just put up a wall because some have actually verbalized, I don't need to change. You know, my spouse needs to change. I do not need to change. And so there's a, a wall that goes up that prevents them from pursuing greater self-awareness because they simply don't want to go there. They don't, I think it's a belief. It's, it goes beyond just being fear of vulnerability. It's like, nope, I do not need to change. I'm always reminded when questions like this come up, being around my nephews who were country boys, not rednecks, but mm -hmm. country boys. I mean, they all went on, got university education, and they used to joke we're country boys. And they, they had a whole sociological description <laughs> of these. Mm -hmm. Like you drive a pickup, but it's a $100,000 pickup. Yeah, And they had all these sort of descriptors. It was really insightful, but they were clearly, clearly country boys. <laughs> and so I remember being around them, and one of them said something that was just less appropriate, and it was dead silence, and one of them goes, what are you, some kind of stupid? <laughs> and I thought, I could use that so much professionally You're right some now. some kind of stupid? Are you yeah. just some kind of stupid? You know, if we're mentoring others and we're trying to help them to increase self-awareness, uh, I often begin with encouraging them to seek some feedback. And... If you will invite your leadership team to actually speak back into your life, you will learn some new things about how you come across and how you're behaving. Now, that requires a fair degree of trust within the team already. And if you're known as a leader who's not very self-aware, it could be that there's not enough trust to do that at that point. But we need to get other people speaking into our lives, and a mentor might be the one to do that. Carson, in the last several years, the leadership literature, uh, publications, yeah. articles, etc., have highlighted this decline in self-awareness. And mm. someplace in the last year and a half or two years said, we may be at an all-time low mm. wow. for leaders with self-awareness. And, and there were reasons why. Uh, just social media, you spent so much time in your own mind, own world. You weren't interacting with people face-to-face -face as much mm -hmm. as you were in called meetings. Um, you worried less about facial expressions and innuendo, and you just yeah. sort of got the work done. Yeah. And so it's become something that I, I bring up consistently with leaders and say, can we talk about your self-awareness? Mm -hmm. a, a, a chap I've been a coach, mentor to, he pushes back every time. And not, he's not wanting to have it? Or he says, in my 
corporation we're assessed all the time and they always pull me out of line as having the greatest self-awareness everybody says that until i talk to you mm -hmm. and i said will you give me 40 seconds and five questions and very confidently the first time we did he goes go and i said talk to me about things that you find mildly intimidating that you just avoid mm -hmm. he goes number two he goes, I want to move on. Number two. And I said, are you aware of any secrets? Yeah. Come on. What are the secrets? Mm -hmm. Number three, tell me how are you doing in relationships that are awkward to you? And he goes, okay, stop. <laughs> I don't even need four yeah. or five. Mm -hmm. I've repeated that with hundreds of people, particularly men, who see themselves as quite self-aware. Yeah. They articulate it. They're very self-aware of the things they're aware of. Mm -hmm. It's the other things. One barrier that can keep a leader from growing in their self-awareness is the fact that by their own mental sort of self-talk, they're very critical of themselves. And they're, they're harder on themselves than anybody else is. And so they don't want to go near it because they fear that it's going to be more criticism and they're not open to even hearing about the good things that they do. So that could be one more barrier. Also with that, our, our leaders very often, um, they see that as one of their strengths. The self-critical. Oh, yeah. I play mm -hmm. it down. That way I don't have arrogance in my life yeah. and I don't have this. And I have this voice that actually is motivating to me. Yes. But they can't see the limitation of it. Yeah, or they, they roll it up into a discussion around humility. They mm -hmm. think that they're being humble by the fact that they're criticizing themselves. They need to get over that. <laughs> so helpful. I've said dozens of times, you're aware that you wear your form of humility around like a crown. <laughs> And it mm -hmm. just is so counterproductive. But you think that's the greatest strength of your life, <laughs> but you're the only one that thinks that. Mm. Hey, it's Carson here, and I want to talk to you for a moment about my good friend, Martin. I'm wondering if you're in the place where you're looking for a dynamic and engaging speaker who can inspire your audience at your next conference. Because I want you to consider my buddy Martin. With his unique blend of humor, passion, and in-depth spirituality, he's an engaging presence for leadership conferences and events. His talks aren't just informative, they're transformative. And whether he's speaking to a room full of leaders or influential figures or pastors or professionals, Dr. Sanders knows how to connect and deliver a message that resonates. So if you're looking for a speaker for your next conference, check out my dear friend Martin. Contact us today at mentoredpodcast.net to learn more about his availability for your event. Another side of the coin around self-awareness is people who actually are pretty amazing at things and they don't recognize it, perhaps because they put themselves down all the time or 
They just don't think of themselves as a great leader, and they don't see how amazing they are. And I find as a mentor sometimes when I encourage them, just going, what you did there is better than 80% yep. of leaders could do. And they're, they're shocked. They can't believe it. It's not actually a standard question for me, but I'm finding it's one that I'm asking more often because of this self-awareness thing. See, have you ever figured out how good you might actually be? Mm. I, I, don't, I don't pull this out with everybody, but you have, in this environment, demonstrated a high level. Yeah. But you seem to be dismissive of it. Yeah. Is this an area to explore as a leader, how good you might actually be? It's rare the person that goes, I've thought through it. I still have some limitations. I mean, they actually have self-awareness and can articulate it. It's mostly, I've never gone there before. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that a healthy self-awareness is one where you have this perspective of your strengths and, and also of your weaknesses. And one of the best environments where we can get help with self-awareness is actually within our family. People who know us, brothers, sisters, aunts, uncles, parents, when you're in those kind of settings, they may see things in you that you do not. And if we invite them in, I can't picture the setting, but for me, it might be sitting with my boys around a campfire and giving them permission to speak to me about things that I may not be aware of, the blind spots in our life. I think also about there, there are times when family members have helped leaders that I've been working mm -hmm. with often out of the mouths of babes we talk about it of a, one of their children speaking to them in a way that gives them an insight into themselves that they had just missed and i think when a family member does it you can't dismiss it very easily exactly well this subject of self-awareness is one that comes up in all different aspects of our mentoring leaders. And it's something we should be watching for. It's something we should be trying to improve about ourselves. And that largely comes from feedback, from asking God about it, do some journaling mm -hmm. about your behavior, yep. and to really reflect on how do you behave? How are you functioning? How do you come across? Those all help in understanding who we are and how we function. Well said but it has to be implemented and pretty much on an ongoing level. But this just becomes a part of your personal development mm. without spending too much time on it to just have interactions with people close to you, bring it up mm -hmm. and yep. welcome feedback and engage in conversations where you can receive some of that. Yeah. I think that there's a functional side to this yeah. where I could see in a work environment where you're, getting feedback about your own awareness of how you function in the work environment. And then there's a very, a deeper side of it, a personal side about how you as a person are living in this world and how you're interacting with family and friends and loved ones, etc. 
a leader needs help to kind of bring that all together and to synthesize what is happening in their, their life. And I would argue that a mentor is perhaps one of the safer places mm -hmm. to get Agreed. help with that. Agreed. Okay. Well, thanks for this important discussion about awareness and trying to encourage leaders to seek out the help that they need to become more self-aware. Healthy self-esteem comes out of having good self-awareness because that's when you're able to assess how you are doing both the strengths and the weaknesses and kind of live with it. And that's what I think of when I think of a leader with good self-esteem. Agreed. If you want to hear more from us and find other resources on mentoring, head over to our website at www.mentoredpodcast.net, where you'll find all our topics as well as a way to subscribe to future episodes. And we'd also appreciate it if on social media, you take a moment to like or comment on our episodes. This helps us create better content and reach more people with our message. I'm Martin Sanders. And I'm Carson Pugh. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.